ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the Sandman Podcast, The Gales Cast. Today, uh, Sean Flatter and I, Brock Stonick, are joined by Father Feller, chaplain at St. Edmund. Father, how are you doing today? Awesome. It's so great to see you guys behind that desk asking me the questions. <laughs> now students ask the teachers the questions. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Father, just a little bit about Catholic schools, you know, this week. Um, did you go to a Catholic school growing up? No, I went to public school really? and went to religious ed on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights. And first time I went to Catholic school was to go to seminary, really? University of St. Thomas, St. John Vianney Seminary. So you did grow up Catholic then? Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, what was that like growing up then? Like, yeah, well, growing up was great. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I learned a lot too. I had great teachers. Um, so loved to play football after school and behind the Catholic, old Catholic grade school, we called it Bloody Field because that's where Jeremy got a huge bloody nose. He was one of our best running backs back then. So that was like we would go there before religious ed after school um, and we'd play for like a half an hour and it was awesome. We'd play there in the winter too and the one end zone was the alley, the other end zone was the uh, sidewalk and there were a couple trees and so you had to be careful not to run into them. Mom and dad, they raised us Catholic, went to Mass every weekend um, as a family. That was always key. We always went as a family. And we prayed before meals. They taught me to pray before I go to bed. They were just great examples. My siblings were good examples. And my religious ed teachers, um, they volunteered. And, I uh, mean, I handed to them. I think sometimes they wanted to kick me out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I drank too much juice, a lot of sugar, you know. <laughs> so you mentioned you went to University of St. Thomas. Yeah. seminary there what was that like that experience of you know going to seminary up oh, there man i didn't even know what a seminary was uh before going there so i get there and it was it was awesome like the, just being with a group of men who want to follow jesus grow in virtue and figure out what god's calling them to be and along with that having a lot of fun we'd go to football games every weekend and we had great cheers we always had the best parade float for homecoming and then of course we made the most of our day by getting up like at five or six in the morning having a holy hour in the chapel going to mass then going to breakfast then going to college classes with just any with everybody else men and women even um normal lay students and the afternoons go play sports do homework at night do homework it was just a really good formative experience and because they're trying to form us as men in Christ before they ever think about being priests. Mm -hmm. I mean, priesthood isn't the goal. Following God's the goal. And so they try to form us with our minds, intellectually, with academics, with um, our hearts in how we uh, serve others. We would do service work every week and with our um, spiritual life as well by the prayer. We pray in the mornings with holy hour in the chapel, mass each day, evening prayer at night. Um, and then just with the camaraderie, the community, Iron sharpens iron. And so that was what was cool with the guys. And, you know, along the way, a lot of pranks. <laughs> one time, one time the guys, we took all the mattresses out of the, out of the beds uh, on the floor and we put them in the hallways so the other floors couldn't get into their hallways. Then they took all the, the, the dividers and curtains and whatever from our, from our bathroom um, for showers and they turned off our hot water. And, it was just it was one time, one time, a guy took a guy's mattress off the bed and replaced it with Dixie cups of water and then remade the bed. Oh, my gosh. Oh <laughs> it was a water like bed. A <laughs> so anyway, I'm just going on and on. Yeah, so, I mean, your vocation, and I want to touch on this, your vocation is to be a priest, you know. And so 
now that you're a priest looking back, because hindsight's always twenty twenty. how and when did you know what your vocation was? Uh, how and when did I know? That's a hard question because priesthood had been on my mind since I was a young boy. Really? really? Oh, yeah. I mean, like many boys and girls, you play mass as a kid, or at least I did. Graham Cockrell graham crackers and apple juice mm-hmm. and my little blankie as my cape <laughs> you know but then i thinking about it off and on i uh i had the privilege of uh, you know going on dating some wonderful women looking at some different careers and professional schools um and it's, it is a little bit of a longer story but um i just gave it a shot you know as god called me to be a priest it's on my mind sometimes i wanted to be a priest sometimes i didn't mm-hmm. even when i was in seminary like the last five years of seminary, I went to it, you know, partially I was thinking, boy, God could call me be to be a priest, but I want to go figure it out for sure because otherwise I have other plans. And so I went and just long story short, I was in seminary in college. I left, worked, came back. And in those five years, the you know, priesthood had to really grow on me. Mm-hmm. Just like, okay, each year it got more and more. So when did I really know? get this it was like my year before nine months before i was going to be ordained a deacon my second to last year and i was just like whoa i'm getting ordained this year if i want and if they let me so if they let me what will i say yes or no (laughs) it's just like well he's been with me this far i guess i'll say yes Mm -hmm. um because just the idea you know a lot of the desires of my heart of being for Jesus and with Jesus as a celibate man um, and then being a father, a spiritual father to others, started just to click, you know, in that process of formation. And then spiritually, it's like, well, yeah, I think Jesus is inviting me to this. I'll say yes. And because sometimes, like, yeah, just to be honest, like, that sense of control, like, Will it all work out? How will it work out? You want to see the whole path ahead before you say yes. And with Jesus, that's not always the case. <laughs> Rarely the case. <laughs> he just takes us one step at a time so we don't make the path the idol. But, but, but Jesus is the guide. And so when I was getting ordained, I just remember you know, going down that aisle and just a sense of, well, Jesus is my shepherd. And I had the greatest peace. So I'd say it's that, that moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, when do you think that, like, you first started getting that calling at first? Like, was it high school or? Uh, you know, when I was, like, in fifth grade, fourth grade, yeah, I wanted to, what did I want? Well, I just wanted to be an astronaut. You know, I wanted to be the first man on Mars. And, yeah, I thought about the Air Force, you know, flying those planes Thought about engineering. My brother is an engineer. Thought about being an attorney. We have a lot of attorneys in my family. And so it's like, what do I want to do with my life? Then the question developed, well, what am I good at? Because I figured, well, I'll want to do something I'm good at. <laughs> and then the question developed, like, you know, by sixth, seventh grade was, how can I help people? Uh, my parents must have guided me in that thought. And then, then the thought was, well, how does God want me to help people? What is God calling me? And so that was definitely in place before high school. Um, and priesthood was like off and on. Like, oh, I want to be a priest. Oh, no, I don't because I don't see how, <laughs> what it is and how it worked out. Because it was unfamiliar to me. I didn't know young priests. Um, 
and my pastors, you know, I just saw them at weekend mass and my pastors were good examples. Like it's because of their mercy in the confessional. It's because of their faithfulness in the Eucharist that, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. (laughs) 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 The, um, but their example, um, their pastoral charity nourished, promoted, protected my spiritual life. And so I was like, you know, how I feel in my Catholic life as a disciple, because of these men, I want other people to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so that increased the desire to be generous, or at least to stay open to priesthood, is because of how I was blessed by other priests, um, my pastors namely. Yeah, and you talk about you know, nourishing that, that sacrament and that desire, right? So I want to ask you, you know, when you're talking with young people of the parish, and they don't know what they're called to do in life, how would you help them discern, you know, to find out what their vocation is? Or how does one do that? (laughs) Well, number one is to stay focused on Jesus and to see how he's focused on you. Because our vocation isn't just like check boxes. It's part of a relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord who asks us to follow him, pick up our cross and follow me, he says. And I've called you friends because I've told you everything. Um... And there's no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And, and when you lose yourself, you'll find yourself. And so keeping Jesus at the center is the most important because he shows us the Father's will. And Jesus provides the Holy Spirit to, to us. For without the Spirit, how can we, A, pray, but B, live up to the call he's, he's, he's calling us to? Because he doesn't just call us to mediocrity calls us to greatness in the most ordinary routes we can pursue them with extraordinary faith and love and hope so for a young person I'd say stay focused on Jesus number two be generous don't um, conform your mind and your will to to the kind of the world of um, wanting control wanting everything figured out uh, basing your decisions simply on weaknesses and not on your strengths and God's, God's gifts and what can be. So dream. Generously dream and generously say yes. And that third is then watch and get to know people in the various vocations that you're considering. Because as a father or mother, one of your children might have a vocation to be a priest or sister or, or brother and your generosity in your own young age of considering all vocations will help um, the next generation when your parents do the same and actually maybe find their vocation, maybe even to the priesthood. So that's what was, those are the first three things that come to mind. Well, Father, you are obviously like the leader of our church. And how do you deal with the pressure knowing that like <laughs> you are like our father, I guess? How do you... Help us find our vocations. Yeah, that's a um, great question. To get to the point that the identity, right, that I am a father, a spiritual father. And so a priest isn't simply a bachelor, you know, unmarried guy who does what he wants. Uh, (laughs) Now it could could just, you know, end up that way. But, you know, fathers and mothers, they... um, they're so dedicated to their family. It's so, it's na- like natural. They just are willing to sacrifice without thought. 
And the same thing for a priest is to um, sacrifice for his, his life, his way of life for the sake of his children. And um, yeah, there is pressure because there's more, I mean, when a parent has so many demands on their mind and trying to get everything done for their family and their work and this and that, yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And so us priests can learn from our dads and moms and learn from the good men and women who who are down on their knees every night praying that, boy, Lord, I can't do it all. I, I need you. And I pray. And so when kids see their parents pray, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. It lets the kids know that there's something bigger, someone bigger who's helping them. Yeah, and so, so for us priests, it's, it's that life of prayer. Yeah, and I mean, as, as one of the spiritual leaders of our parish, you know, you're helping people to, you know, achieve their mission to get to heaven, right? And I want to get a little words from you on like, how that feels personally to you, you know, helping people um, just, you know, get on their mission to heaven. Yeah. Um, the, you know, if my life were to be over right now on this earth, I would say I lived a fulfilling life because because of that fact, you say, helping people get to heaven. Helping one person get to heaven was worth it. Um, worth everything. That one confession, that one mass, that one anointing, that one gift of counsel. Now, all these things I was available to and God worked through me. Um, it's pretty humbling that just showing up, being available, he, he'll work through that. It's like... It's like some clay from the earth and you put it in the hand of, a, of an artist. They can do something amazing with it. And so for a priest, a man, to put him, his life in the hand of God or for a woman to put her hand in her life in the hand of God as a mother, I mean, wife and mother or sister, he can do amazing things. And so it is very fulfilling to... One day I hope in his mercy that I get to see so many people in heaven that have blessed me along the way and gotten to know and you guys... All of you. <laughs> I would be, you know, just to have you all together in heaven. There's so much goodness here. I just want to continue. Like, I love looking at the um, pictures of you guys in the paper and the yearbook and seeing you in the hallways without masks uh, in the appropriate seasons <laughs> without masks because you have smiles. And I know life's not all smiles. But sometimes you see when you see the best come out as a priest, you want, you just, it's a joy for me. And what better than, like, holiness and love and shining out of them so yeah well as brock mentioned earlier earlier you are a spiritual leader mm-hmm. how do you feel that the people make your faith stronger oh yeah well um their example makes my faith stronger because like a, you know every priest is human i'm very human <laughs> now when i say very human what i mean is also i'm fallen like i'm weak and uh, to see the strength of other people's example uh, encourages me. You know, to see one time there was his husband and wife, I presume they were, and uh, I was out on a, um, a walk on a Saturday night after Mass in another town, and they're having this big festival, and tons of young people having fun, riding their bikes. And so on this back street, just alone, a car alone, away from the 50,000 people. I saw this car, the, the door is open, the front door, and here's an elderly man with his um, wife, and he's helping her out of the wheelchair into the front of the car. 
and, and, and then he proceeds to go around to the other side. And there was a priest, and I'd say, you know, all these people having fun. And they're the prime of their life. Bicycling across Iowa, young, beautiful, handsome, full of vigor, excitement. But the thing that impacted me the most was actually that side street. Seeing a husband and wife married for probably 50 years. And here he was, burdened by years, helping his wife from a wheelchair into the car. And that example just showed me this, the sacrificial love of a man for a woman. And that I, as a priest, can, as a man, also have that sacrificial love for the bride of Christ, the church. Where, just to, to give myself. And, yeah, I guess I'm running out of words there. It's kind of a beautiful image. It is, yeah. So... You know, you've been on both sides of the coin where you've been a member of the laity and then you've, you know, become ordained. Yeah. Now, has the world and society, as, as you've seen it, has that changed? Um, has that, do you view it differently than you did as a layperson now that you're a priest? Like you said, you notice things more like the side street, you know? Yeah. Has it that, like... Yeah, I think, um, and maybe part of it's not just the world changed, but I've changed. Mm -hmm. Because the goal of Christian discipleship for anyone is is continual conversion and renewal in Christ. And so to take on his vision, which is something to acquire. And um, and so, yeah, the world's changed, I've changed. Um, how have, how do I see things differently, perhaps? Hmm. I think there's something true about, like with me changing, going from adolescence to adulthood, where in adolescence, I'm, I gotta figure out myself, I've got to take care of myself, I've got to do this and this. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself, but the idea is the focus on self. And in adolescence, you grow out of that into adulthood when you're focusing on others and providing for others. And so that's one way I've changed is how I see the world isn't just a, what can the world do for me, but as John F. Kennedy said, what can you do for the world or mm -hmm. what can you do for the country? Yeah, so I say that's a transition that's happened. Well, Father, has there ever been like anyone specific who's been influential to you in the religious life? Like not just parents, but like anybody who's really brought you out as a priest? Oh, there's been tons of people. It's hard to say one over the others um, because at every part of my life, um, someone has been there to, to, to help me along the way. Whether it was this teacher from a school that just happened to say, hey, will you pray for this kid? Um, I'm like, what? <laughs> Someone's asking me to pray for somebody? Or one of my pastors or vocation director. Um, you know, my, my parents have been very, very good to me. Um, and my siblings, my grandmas and grandpas. And I guess I would say St. John Vianney, maybe, and uh, St. Therese of Lisieux. You know, every night, okay, before I go to bed, there was this, on this bulletin board across the street, not across the street, across the room. <laughs> and there's this little picture of this girl. And my grandma gave it to me. Um, she gave us all these little holy cards. I didn't know who it was. Every night, though, I just look at her. Look at her. And she is amazing. She's like probably 8 years old, 12 years old, something like that, black and white picture. And I just look at her eyes. They were captivating. There's something about them. And I go to bed year after year. And then I... I'm 22 years old or something, get back from college seminary, and I look at, well, who is that? <laughs> I turn it around, it's St. Therese, and a little relic on the back. So I think, I think the people in heaven have played a huge role in my life, and the souls that have been in purgatory, like 
maybe some of my relatives. Um, so, and then St. John Vianney, I was baptized on his feast day. He's um, the patron of parish priests and something I didn't know until I was at least 25. That's kind of just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And he's helped me love God. Um, like teach me how to love God, you know, and put words to the feelings that you might have when you love God. Um, and just how he was so devoted to Christ where he was even willing to suffer for him. And so I think those two saints have been pretty influential in my life. John Paul too. Yeah, I remember when he passed away, I just felt the inspiration to let go of the path I was on at that time to try seminary for the first time. So those are a few examples. Well, now that we're getting on to, if we can get back on to St. Edmund real quick, yeah, Catholic yeah. Schools Week is coming up next week. Is there anything you love specifically about Catholic Schools Week? What I love about Catholic Schools Week is it's like, it, not that we don't celebrate life and what we're all about more every week, but it's a week where we open up to celebrate everything that's good about Catholic schools. And it's fun. We have all the elements. We have the service. We have the fun. We have the spiritual life. We have the sort of learning. And no, I don't know. I love the party. <laughs> I love parties. Good parties. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, that being said, thank you today, Father, for joining us. <laughs> You're welcome. I think I got one more question just to wrap it up. Okay. Why do you love St. Edmund? Because I love the kids and I love Jesus. Because here at St. Edmund, what do we have? We have God and we have kids. And. When I see you guys and your classmates, there's just so much goodness and promise. And then with God here, he makes it possible um, to, for you guys to be saints. And you trying to stay focused on him. I know there's a battle, but um, that's why I love it. Is Maybe that's a cliche, cheesy answer, but it's you guys. If you guys weren't here, why would I be here? It'd just be a building. <laughs> Um, but your teachers and I are here because, you know, we love kids. And I think it comes from Jesus' love that he's loved us, and from that love, we love you. Well, with that being said, thank you for joining us today on episode four of the GaleCast. I'm Sean Flattery with Brock Stonic, and thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. God bless you. you.